0: I feel like I'm, at this point, like, I just, I embrace it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you're going to judge me for being the way that I am, like, fuck you.
1: Bye. <laughs> that's what I'm talking, I think that's how we break the stigma, you know what I mean? Because, like, at the end of the day, like, we can't be like, no, don't stigmatize it. It's just, like, owning Dead. what it is. Yeah. And kind of just where we can, like, changing people's conceptions of it.
0: Yeah. Like, it's amazing when people find out that I am an addict. Mm-hmm. it's like you are yeah <laughs> big time <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If i was on drugs right now i would rob you in a heartbeat
1: yeah like, it's a whole different person yeah whole different person it's like
0: living two lives in one lifetime mm-hmm. yeah it's nuts it's fucking
1: wild it's pretty yeah it's pretty crazy it is crazy well welcome to the podcast thanks for having me um i wanted to bring you on here to talk about your life and the stigmas you've experienced in your years of living so so like today you're so like how long do you what do you do today first of all as far as just my life yeah okay sick um so
0: currently in my life um, i'm the director of admissions for malibu detox and residential um you know i i go to meetings i work the program i'm of service whenever needed um you know and i enjoy my life I um I go to concerts, I go out to
1: dinners. Yeah, I you know. went to like this crazy, like, yeah. like we are a young thing. The
0: when we were young fest, um, you know, went to that and it was absolutely wild. It was all of these, it was such an out of body experience because all of these bands, right? Like I love music. Mm-hmm. Music is what saved my life a, a lot of times, right? And going to this festival and seeing these bands that had such an impact on my life from like 10 years old, continuing on today, and being able to be there sober with my best friend who's also sober, um, and being able to be present and in that moment and really take it all in and feel every feeling, it was incredible. And like that would not have been possible if I didn't address the things that kept me so sick, like, Mm. right? Because I look at my life now, everything that I have in my life, the relationships I have, the job I have, um, the experiences I've had, it's, all of it is directly related to getting sober, addressing my mental health, changing my behaviors. Like, I, I genuinely wouldn't have this. Like, I got this job because I walked into an AA meeting. Nuts. I just, I I met a guy who worked for the company and he was like, do you need a job? I said, sure. Boom, got a job.
1: And it's kind of like your career now a little bit. Yeah,
0: and I've been now doing it for a little over two years and I had no idea what I was doing when I started. Not one shred of an idea. Same with (laughs) this. Yeah, like, dude, you learn as you go. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and I've realized that this is something that I'm really passionate about. You know, being able to relate to people that are struggling, whether it be trauma, abuse, mental health, addiction, eating disorders, um, promiscuity, like whatever it is that someone is struggling with or ashamed to talk about, um, I I value being able to be that person that they don't feel any judgment from, where they can feel safe to talk. And um, I forget that a lot. That when I'm, when I'm talking to someone who's at the lowest point in their life and they're struggling and they don't know what to do. It's all chaotic. Their wife is leaving. Their husband's leaving. They lost their job. Their kids won't talk to them. This and that. Like, I mean, their life is chaotic. Creating that relationship where they feel safe to talk mm. is that first step to healing. And being able to be that person, that first contact, is an absolute blessing. And if you had told me that five and a half years ago, that's not who I was then.
1: Who were you then?
0: I was a selfish, self-centered, self-seeking junkie. Like I was a junkie. And I know a lot of people don't like that word. Like, oh, that's a stigmatized word. (laughs) I was a junkie. Yeah. I was a trash can. I was a garbage can. Anything you put in front of me, I would do. Um, you know, it got to a point where like I wasn't allowed in my parents' home without someone there. I couldn't walk into a different room without someone there. Um, I couldn't be trusted. Like I was in and out of jail, homeless, in and out of treatment. Um, just a lot of trauma. That's who I was. I was angry and I would isolate. I didn't talk to people. If you ask me how I'm doing, I'm good. Mm. I'm good. But internally, like I'm dying and I just wanted someone to hear me.
1: But you weren't talking about it.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Was it just like feeling like you didn't have any, nobody would understand, or you didn't feel like it was a safe space?
0: Combo. Um,
1: or like the stigma, you, you, maybe you were judging yourself as well. I
0: judged myself a lot um, <laughs> that I was just a degenerate. I was just a derelict. I was the scum of the earth. No one cared about me. No one ever listened to me. And that started really young. Um, I went to an all girls private school and I started getting bullied around sixth grade. I don't know why, I don't know what happened. At that age, girls are just... What did did bullying look like? Well, I'm past the social media part, so it wasn't really online (laughs) bullying. Um, It was a lot of include, exclude, a lot of mind games, um, right, a lot of psychological torture is what it was. And I grew up with a brother, with guy friends and I was like, just hit me. Like just punch me and get it over with. But it was years drawn out of um, just absolute psychological torture where all of these things I felt internally, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, no one cares about me. You know, all these things that I would tell myself were starting to be validated by the external because I'd go to school and be bullied. Mm -hmm. and so i'm like okay i don't matter they don't care about me that that is like it reaffirmed everything i was telling myself which wasn't true looking back now i see that but in that moment Mm -hmm. you know as a what 11 year old girl like you're going through puberty you're changing like you're trying to figure out your brain and and all that Mm -hmm. it's and in that environment it to me i I didn't have any safe space because I'd go home and what I was told there was buck up baby life is hard damn right no one listened to me ever so cut to future time when I didn't want to talk about things it's because no one ever heard me then so why would you hear me now
1: yeah it's like you have no evidence of anybody ever hearing you out
0: right I would beg my parents to pull me out of that school from I went to a K through 12 private school sixth grade please pull me out. Please. I can't be here. Like I'm eating lunch alone. I I, mm. I I'm, I'm miserable. I come home crying. I go to school crying. They're nice to me. I leave happy, go to school. Happy. I come home crying the next day. Like it was, I never knew where I stood and it was being done by my best friends.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: So I go home where I'm supposed to feel safe, where I can talk to my parents. I couldn't get pulled out, they refused to hear me, um, buck up baby kind of thing, and it was because my, my family was very connected to that school. My family was very, um, I don't know the word to say it, well-known. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you from? Baltimore, Baltimore, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's very clicky yeah. in that world, the private school world. So, you know, it was a status thing. Mm -hmm. My, the headmistress of the school was at my baptism. She was good Mm. friends with my grandparents. My aunt and uncle were on the board. My aunt went there. My cousin went there. My mom went there. Like, it.
1: Almost like a generational, like, you have to kind of go there thing. You
0: have to go there. There is, I didn't have an option. So, you know. It created this, okay, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. Shut down. Yeah. And that's when I started drinking, smoking weed,
1: and cutting. At, at what age? 12. 12. Mm-hmm. Um, what did that kind of, like, how did that progress more into, like, in the later years? Like, what did, what kind of, like, got you into cutting?
0: Um, What got me into cutting was I was too young to have a constant flow of drugs yeah you know like i'm 12 i couldn't go to the liquor store like was it, so
1: yeah was but like was cutting something that like you've seen and portrayed somewhere or like it, you just have like almost like an instinct to harm yourself it was
0: like an instinct it was just i need to release this pain mm-hmm. i can't talk about it i don't know what else to do and the emotional pain was so heavy and so hard for me to deal with and to verbalize because I didn't trust anyone. I had no one to talk to. So I was like, okay, if I cut, I can control the pain. I can release it. Mm-hmm. And I'll get, I'll I'll feel better. Yeah. And it worked for a little bit of time until I was able to drink more. Until mm-hmm. I was able to smoke weed more. And the cutting kind of went by the wayside when I could use substances instead of that. Because I was like, all right, I don't yeah. want to cut anymore because like... I'd rather just do drugs and not <laughs> cut, you know. Um,
1: yeah, I've heard with cutting, it's definitely like it's almost addicting. It's almost like another addiction. In a way, it's yeah. like really, Yeah, like, the I was sense forward of
0: forward to go home to cut.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was like a, se- a sense of control, like you were saying. It, it gives okay. people that like sense of like I can control this if when everything else feels like they Every, can't. add a line or whatever. Everything felt
0: so out of control. It was the one thing that I had that mm-hmm. I knew I could do. Mm -hmm. to help and it's all i knew i had no coping skills and i got put into therapy and oh you did oh yeah i got put into therapy i mean i've been i was diagnosed with adhd when i was in second grade yeah put on adderall at that age um and it's
1: it's extremely like gives give a kid some time you know what i mean like we're kids we're everywhere everything's kind of gonna get our attention (laughs) so yeah it's it's like i i my opinion i don't agree with like prescribing somebody Adderall at 10 years old. I don't either. I think you
0: need time to have years of trying to like behavioral modification (laughs) in a way, right? Like my family, before they put me on Adderall, we did a reward system where if I, in a week, if I got a gold star each day, I would get to go to the toy store and get something, right? And it worked for a little bit until it didn't. And then, so they were like, okay, Adderall. At what, 10 years old, nine years old? I'm awake till 2 in the morning, I stopped eating, I would get horrible headaches. Um, And at that exact same time, I got exposed to like late night TV. Like, Girls Gone Wild and and things like that, you know, where that piqued that interest. So like, it was super sexualized as a young kid. Mm. So then that became intriguing to me and I was like, ooh.
1: How did that how did that come about? Yeah. Oh,
0: what is what's happening inside my body when I like <laughs> see this, right? Like what is go I like this. This is yeah. intriguing to me. I've always been drawn to like dark taboo. Like hush hush, don't talk about it kind of thing. Um yeah, and I found out later that that was in a way neglect from my family.
1: Mhm. Would you say like you, you had a pretty decent childhood? But yeah, it please. was just like the fact of not really the neglect
0: yeah i just i never felt safe i knew that my basic needs would be taken care of like i'd have shelter food clothes but that emotional safety yeah i didn't have that i was parentified as a young kid my mom is in the program she got sober when i was five years old Mm. um so until she got sober i basically raised my little brother you know, she was around, but it was very, I didn't know what mom I was going to get. Would I get the mom that loved me? Would I get the mom that didn't want to be around me? So I never knew. I always lived in this constant state of chaos and unknown. And I tried to create like some stability for my brother, but I was three. Mm -hmm. There's not much you can do as a three-year-old. You know, except for like play with him and all that. Um, You know, and then my mom got sober and life became more normal. You know, she was there, but that there still wasn't this safety. I was always judged for being loud, wild. Um,
1: for being yourself. For
0: being myself. I was judged and I would, don't say that. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? No, that's weird. Ew. What? Yeah. Like, those were the comments I would get from my family, from the kids at school. So I learned at a very young age to just shut down.
1: Yeah. Just don't talk. It's just easier that way. When did you start breaking out of that? Of like, oh, it's actually, I don't have to shut down right now.
0: Um, Not until I was 26.
1: Mm.
0: So from about 12 years old to 26, I did not talk. Yeah. (laughs) I talked, but like I was, I didn't go like mute, but I, I, you know, but I did talk, but I wouldn't ever get to any type of authenticity, realness. I, I was incapable of doing it. I couldn't be honest with how I was feeling because I had been judged for my feelings, for years
1: and then through that time you're losing yourself you know what i mean like that the feelings are feelings are like kind of your like emotional compass Mm -hmm. like in that time that i was using i was the way i was shutting down is just by like forgetting everything like my whole day week month Mm -hmm. so like when i got when i got sober it's just like who the fuck am i and what what is this i'm feeling right now what
0: what's going on internally i couldn't identify feelings i didn't have an Mm -hmm. identity of my own anyway yeah I had become so enmeshed in the drug world that my identity was an addict. That drugs, ever, drugs. like Drugs like were your identity. Drugs, <laughs> I, that's my identity. If, yeah. if you asked anyone who knew me, oh, what's Julia up to? Probably getting high. Because <laughs> that's all I did. Yeah. That's all I did. That's what I was known yeah, for. Yeah, it becomes I was, your
1: personality. I 100% get that. Yeah, like, I was
0: the kid that the parents would be like, don't hang out with her. Oh,
1: Julia. Don't no. hang out with her. <laughs>
0: um and they weren't wrong at that time like anyone that came in i was a toxic human anyone that came in my path i destroyed mm-hmm. because i didn't care about myself so how could i care about you i don't all i care about is getting high and not dealing with my head or anything internally because i want to be detached i never learned how to identify i never learned how to process i never learned how to feel safe so it wasn't until i went to treatment the final time
1: how many times did you go to treatment? 30.
0: 30? 30. Fuck.
1: Yeah. And that's actually not too uncommon to hear. No. Like people, people do tend to cycle through treatment yeah. centers.
0: Because it's- and why
1: do you think that is?
0: Um, oh God, I have a lot of opinions about that. Oh, I just think it's because m- most programs don't give people the time. You think? Mm-hmm. The time? The time. 28 days, you're out. Yeah. Right? 28 days, you're gone. Um, they don't really take the extra step to figure out what's going on with this person. What are the underlying issues? Really,
1: mm.
0: not just giving them coping skills or teaching them about behavioral modification or pathways. like it's not just that, but there's no time to learn how to do it.
1: Mm. In right? 28 days, it's not possible. 28
0: days, it's not possible. That's why I love Malibu, because it's it's 45. And you have, like, some people stay long. It's great. That gives you the extra time to implement what you learn in a safe environment. So where I ended up going was a year-long program. Mm, (laughs) I'm sure you needed it. Shout out, Alina Lodge. Um, Saved my life because I I had been to so many. I had been in, in and out of jail, homeless. Like, the only option for me was prison or death. I didn't think recovery was possible for me because i had tried Mm -hmm. so many times but i had never gotten any type of freedom from myself i had Mm. never really worked a program and so of course what do i do i blame the program yeah it's not working it's not me it's It's not (laughs) me it's the program the program that's been around for a very long time that's worked for millions of people i'm the anomaly
1: it doesn't Yeah, yeah, yeah we always think we're the odd one out like, yeah. nobody else is going through this. I'm
0: terminally unique. Yeah. Like, it's not going to work for me. So, surprise, it's, it's, it did. It's
1: more spooky that we're all kind of the same. Yeah.
0: That's why I love when people tell me as in admissions, people say, oh, I did the program. It didn't work. Well, did you try? Yeah. Did you actually get a sponsor? Did you open the book? Did you learn the principles? Did you do the step work? Did you get involved? Did you apply it to your life? Well, no, I went to meetings. Yeah. yeah, it's not going to work that way. I did it for 10 years, 12 years. So when I got to that treatment center at 26 years old, I mean, I had had a few suicide attempts in that time. Um, overdoses, you know, I've lived all over the country trying to figure out what's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And what it comes down to is my life is based in fear, fear of not being heard, fear of being rejected, fear of being judged, because that's all I've had for my entire life. So... I associated with people and with the substances that got rid of that for me right where i felt like i could sit in my
1: own skin um and then it's like years of like these patterns and years of living in fear it's like it's not going to be fixed in like 28 days it's not a, and not even a year like it's gonna and it's always gonna creep back up no
0: even in that facility it took me about six months to even like really get honest with my counselor Mm-hmm. I didn't trust anyone. What why am I gonna trust you? I, I like I'm unhelpable. Everyone abandons me, everyone turns their back on me, and I go into this victim mode, right? Yeah. And when I saw that this person had genuine care for me, heard me, I was like, whoa, this is weird. You actually care. Yeah. Okay. So because of that, I started opening up a little bit more to the women in my community. And because of that, I started to create real connections with people. And um, my best friend and I met in that treatment center. And, you know, she's the first person that I've ever told everything to with no fear. No fear. And that taught me that I can trust people. That taught me that I can be authentic. I can open up. And I'm still learning how. Yeah. Right? There are some things that I still stigmatize myself on or that like what huh
1: like what <laughs> like what
0: <laughs> so this one this is i mean i guess this could be considered into this um i got in a relationship
1: mm-hmm.
0: with someone uh and he was a newcomer
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. meaning like somebody new someone new in the themselves. program
0: new in in A N A and yeah and you know I went against all the suggestions. I, everyone is telling me not to. I'm like, no, no okay, yeah, uh-huh, no. Uh, uh, this right. one's different. <laughs> this one's different. I can fix him because I'm, I'm amazing. And uh, I didn't tell some of my closest friends that I was dating him for months. Yeah. Because I was so scared of the judgment. Because I knew what I was doing was. It's not that it's right or wrong, but it's let that person heal. Yeah. Right. It It's it's taking away their recovery. And then I become involved in like it's it's not healthy.
1: Dude, I literally went through a very similar thing. I didn't tell anybody for months on a, on a pretty similar situation.
0: Because I didn't want to be stigmatized. Yeah, I didn't want to be judged. Yeah, the judgment. I didn't want to.
1: It's like I know how you guys think about it. I don't think it's wrong, though. So but I'm not going to tell you because I know that you you don't think it's like the right thing to do. Yeah. That's why I didn't want to, because I didn't,
0: because I wanted to continue to do what I was doing, <laughs> right? Because he was hot, he was funny, he was sweet, he was, like, he was exciting. Yeah. And um, it blew up in my face. As is tradition when you get involved with a newcomer. I'm not saying <laughs> newcomers are bad, I'm just saying, you know, we're still sick, right? Like, we're still sick,
1: yeah. you
0: know? And it ended horribly. Mm-hmm. And it sucked and I was embarrassed and I was ashamed because I knew, like I knew not to do it, but I did it anyway. And I didn't tell anyone what was going on for months. I mean, you know, Justin, he found out that I was dating this guy two months after the guy and I started dating and he was like, why didn't you tell me? I'm not going to judge you. So all of my past experiences came flooding back and I immediately placed that on Justin of like, oh, you are going to judge me if i tell you this because that's what happens every single time i do something when i know i'm not supposed to be doing it and everyone else knows but i do it anyway and when i told him i was met with understanding and compassion and guidance right um so that really shifted in my brain of like oh i can tell people the truth (laughs) (laughs) like not everyone's gonna abandon me or judge me or yell at me you know
1: um, at least the real ones you know right what I
0: mean? the real the, the people that really care yeah they, they'll they tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not
1: but they care and they're not going to be like i'm not gonna fuck with you anymore right they're not going to bail on you just yeah. because you're
0: making a decision that's not the greatest right that fear of abandonment's like oh they're gonna leave <laughs> oh i was so scared of rejection and yeah you know them judging me just the judgment like and that sucked but I'm again. I'm still learning. Like I was a, uh, I was stuck in all of that mental health stigma, judgment, rejection, drugs for so long that I'm just over five years. Like I'm just starting to get my head out of my ass. Isn't that crazy? Like just starting to, you know. Um, and it's crazy just how much this stuff still affects my life. I just now know how to better handle it and better talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not ashamed to talk about my issues. Like, I'm an open book. You know? Anyone that talks to me, you ask me a question, I'll give you the truth. I'll tell you the answer. I don't sugarcoat my life or my past for anyone, because... You own it now. I own it, and my truth can help someone else. Right? Yes. Like, being promiscuous, having families
1: destroyed, having abuse, um... You said, wait, shit. you... You how did your family you said your family got destroyed mm-hmm. and as well I, I want to ask about the promiscu- the promiscuity and mm-hmm. your family being destroyed yeah so what did that look like
0: so growing up in Baltimore private school mm-hmm. um, I mentioned you know the family was very involved and that side of my family um is very much country clubs private schools nice cars status
1: you know almost kind of like a dream like the dream kind of
0: like yeah like being like black tie cotillions debutantes like that is that side of my family yeah yeah, yeah. that's how i grew up and i never felt like i fit in in that world okay like i just i there was something i was like oh there's a disconnect here yeah but whatever it's my family you know and i was about 16 years old my Drug addiction was pretty gnarly at that time. Um, I mean, I was smoking weed every day, doing coke here and there, pills, and smoking crack. And um, failing school and just, you know, I'm on drugs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that 15?
0: Uh, 15 or 16. I can't remember if I had my permit or my license at the time, but it was around (laughs) then. My life is so blurry,
1: dude. Uh,
0: And... We're at Thanksgiving or Christmas as a family, and my uncle starts going in on me about what a degenerate I am, what an absolute embarrassment I am, and, you know, piece of shit, and all this derogatory and horrible things, and how he doesn't want me associated with the family, and, you know, I bring bad name. Like, basically, that stigma of addiction, alcoholism, mental health-
1: Yeah being thrown at you just
0: brought at me and i'm just sitting there like man i just came to
1: eat (laughs) i was gonna eat and i was gonna go (laughs)
0: there's a lot to take in yeah but i i shut down because i was like "Uh, what you know and this man had been someone that was like a second father to me you know this was we were really close family and my little brother who's two years younger than me, stood up and got in his face. I was like, don't talk to my sister like that. You don't know what she's going through. You don't know what we deal with in our home. And, you know, trying to get him to see that this is a deeper issue, mm-hmm. right? And get him to come from a place of love, understanding, family support. Um, he didn't, he just kept screaming at my brother at this point. My grandmother, when she was alive, stood up and was just like, we're out. Let's go. So my mom, my dad, my brother and I and my grandmom got in the car and I hadn't talked to my uncle since.
1: And how long has that been? Uh,
0: it's been probably 16 years at this point. Um, Yeah. And it, it sucks because that was my second family. Like yeah. That was my second home. I was always there. And because of the stigma that he had, yeah. I don't fit into his picture perfect world of high society.
1: Mm-hmm. Old money, like, and he probably like cared for you a little. Like, it was it probably came out of in his. Let's look at it from his point of view. It probably came from a place of like, I care for you. I don't want to see you hurt yourself or like go down a certain road. But it came out. But like, he had these. He had because, these stigmas attached, and, yeah. and that uh, and everyone became,
0: is going to judge us, yeah, because of you.
1: Yeah, yeah, it became more harmful. Mm-hmm.
0: And I internalized that. Like, oh, you're right. I am a piece of shit. You're right. I am a degenerate. You're right. I don't belong in this family bet got it and I ran with that ended up in an adolescent program shortly after ended up in the psych ward ended up back in treatment and then my my life spiraled Uh, yeah I just couldn't deal with any of those feelings of being that embarrassment being that letdown, that black sheep I couldn't handle it because my brother wasn't like that Right? We grew up in the same home, same parents, same morals, same values.
1: Yeah, like, why Why was his story different? Why
0: like, is he so... Why did I get fucked? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. For a while there, that's how I felt. Like, why am I the one who has all these struggles? Yeah. And he has the friends, the good grades, went to college, played sports, you know, and... and-
1: and has that. I didn't have that. It's it's really interesting. I mean, siblings can grow up, like, the same lifestyle, same home. And just so different. Yeah. So separate. So it's, like, not really mm-hmm. – sometimes it might not be nurture, even though, like, sometimes they can get treated differently, the brother and sister. So, yeah, I feel like it's definitely more of just, like, I don't think we like reality sometimes.
0: No. And it was – it's interesting to me because now – so my brother and I, because of my addiction, we stopped talking for – I mean, periodically we would talk because, like, my mom forced us. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be around me. I didn't want to be around myself. I get it. That's why I did drugs. I didn't, you know, like, I didn't want to deal with that. But now our relationship is phenomenal. It's great. Like, I have my brother back. Is it the relationship that I want? No. No, it's not. Is it the relationship that is ours? Yeah, and it's going to take time for him. You know, I had to learn that... It's not all about me. It's not. My world revolves around me. Yeah. But I'm not the only one in the world. Like, I have, <laughs> like there are other people yeah. that matter where they have their own autonomy. Like, they can make their own decisions. I can't force you to want to have a relationship with me, and I have to be okay with that. And he and I have talked about it. You know, he started doing his own thing at college and got into some trouble, but reeled it back in and stopped immediately and uh what, what yeah. are you,
1: like like normal kid things almost yeah. Like uh, <laughs> that, that, that's a story for another day not he
0: i mean he partied you know he did yeah. his thing and it got a little crazy there for a little bit so he dialed it back and buckled and, and, down
1: and it's crazy that he had almost the willpower to do that
0: he had the ability to say like yeah I, that i'm not doing this and he stopped i didn't have that yeah. and now you know he feels like that he can talk to me, I can be that safe space for him to talk to me about his life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When that's all I've ever wanted is just to have someone that's safe to talk to or be that for someone. And, um, cause I never had that. I want stability, safety, all that. And I, that's what I search for today is who are those people that make me feel safe where I can be who I am, where I'm not gonna get turned away. I'm gonna be accepted and I do that for other people. Like, no matter what you throw at me, I've done it. <laughs> Homeless, suicide attempts, overdoses, robberies, jail, treatment many times, like assaults, kidnap, really? abuse, <laughs> Kid- all kinds of shit. Yeah, I was- Kidnapped? I, would, I wouldn't go, <laughs> I mean, kidnapped, I called it kidnapped because like, I felt like I got kidnapped, but it was more of a held hostage situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, it was... That's, that's
1: a level of kidnapping. It's a level.
0: Yeah, it's a level. Uh, I was just locked in a hotel room with dudes that took my car keys and everything I had and owned and was in there for three days and held at gunpoint and just given drugs and got raped repeatedly. Damn. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, you know. Um, so there's nothing that anyone could ever tell me that would shock me or I'd judge you for, right? Like, okay. And?
1: yeah
0: all right you're not alone that's like the biggest part of my life today is just letting people know that they're not alone you know there's nothing that should be shied away from when it comes to mental health or addiction or any type of disorder it, it, it needs to be talked about it needs to be open and honest there yeah. has to be or there's gonna be no resolve if people keep hiding out and like, oh, no, I don't struggle with that. No, no.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like we all kind of do.
0: It's like, you know how many people you could help if you got honest? Yeah. And that's what I struggled with for a long time because I would be like, no, I don't have that. No, no, Mm-mm, not me.
1: Yeah. Like, I mean. Girl,
0: you got anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, <laughs> depression, self-harm tendencies, addiction, yeah, like yeah. But promiscuity. It took, me,
1: it took me forever to kind of even identify what depression or anxiety even was. So I, yeah, I didn't admit it. No. So, why would you what, admit what, it if you mean? don't understand it? Exactly.
0: Like I had to be educated about what these mental health like conditions are. How does it show up? What does it look like? Can I identify with that? Yeah, I can. And so, okay, that's who I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, and that's how I live my life today, it's just in acceptance. That's why I told you earlier I don't really, I try not to hold much stigma against myself anymore because, like, this is who I am. And I love being an addict and an alcoholic. I do.
1: It's a blessing. It is. It really is a blessing. I've gotten
0: to live two lives in one lifetime. Mm -hmm. I've gotten to be that, just, I heard it in a meeting one time and this guy nailed it. He goes, I used to be a head nod. People would see me and they'd be like, hey, man, what's up? Right? Head nod. He goes, I turn into a head shake. Hmm. And I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. And I'm not yeah. I, like, I'm not that head shake anymore, but I was, and I can be there very quickly mm. if I don't continue to do what I do to stay this person Yeah, continue on
1: this path. What do you do today to stay how like mentally sane?
0: Mentally sane? I'm sane. <laughs> 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 um I don't know, man. Let me try and break down just the things I do. Um, I talk to people. I talk to my friends. I talk to my sponsor. I talk to my family. I try and help the next person, whether it's work or not. Like, I'm always available to talk if someone needs it. Um, I pray. I meditate. Those are kind of my things. Like, I'm that person that, I yes, I burn sage, palo. I do tarot cards, pendulums. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I go outside and I, like, even driving up this mountain, every time I get onto the road at the top, I stop for a minute and I just stare out of the ocean for just a couple minutes and just connect. Like, I always look for something in my day that reminds me that I'm on the right path. Hmm. Any type of synchronicity, like, anything. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a little treasure hunt. Is that <laughs> insane? It keeps it exciting, it's insane, though. It's I love that. It's like a little treasure hunt. Like, how is, like my like god or higher power buddha i don't (laughs) know how is that going to show up for me today where am i going to see that i don't believe in coincidences so everything happens for a reason i believe um you know i just i try to be as present as i can every day that's it um and i also enjoy my life
1: you just like it now
0: dude i just like i i I love my life i just get to fucking hang out yeah (laughs) For real, like, I just get get to hang out and chill, man. You know, I work really hard. I help people, but I also get to just hang out and have a good time in my life and do things that I want to do. Like, tonight, I'm going to a concert to see a band that I like a lot, right? I couldn't do that when I was getting high because, one, I didn't have any money. (laughs) I couldn't buy a ticket. (laughs) Two couldn't leave my immediate surrounding area because if I did, I'd get dope sick and I'd freak out. Like I had other priorities. I missed out on a lot of things that I wanted to do because of my using mm-hmm. because of anxiety. I can't go because of lack of money because everything I ever had just went to drugs. Um, so now like I get to enjoy that, that stuff. I can go Shopping. I'm not a shopper. I'm not a shopper. I hate, shopping personally. I hate shopping. It stresses me the fuck out. I just I can't stand it. I literally it.
1: tried yesterday and I could not, dude.
0: No, dude, it's the worst. It's so hard. It's the worst. I hate it. Um, But I can if I wanted to, right? Like I have the freedom to do that. I can travel. I can go to concerts. Yeah. I can go out to new restaurants. I can go to museums. Like I have the freedom to do things now to enjoy my life and bring more meaning into it. You know, in this life, I got um I bought a house you bought a house I did buy a house where ba- Baltimore? in Baltimore
1: yeah is that where you're going you're fucking nuts
0: yeah I bought a house um in 2021 and I remember standing in my kitchen after the couch and all that's moved in and I'm, I'm settled and I remember standing in my kitchen and I got choked up and I just started crying and uh I was looking around and I was like fuck I'm a homeowner. You're a homeowner. Like, I went from homeless to homeowner mm-hmm. because I got sober and I put my mental health and my sobriety first. And I continued on this path no matter what it looked like. I cannot tell you how many times I have just cried. Like, I was not a crier. As soon as I feel that lump, it's. Yeah.
1: Don't cry. The lump in your throat. Mm-mm, don't too. do it.
0: Like, you ain't a bitch, don't cry, right? Mm-hmm. Fuck it up, baby, life is hard. Mm-hmm. When I, like, I cry and I heal and I let it out and I I, I heard it one time, I can't remember who said it, Um, about feelings. And I want to experience them. For so long, I numbed them all
1: out. Right, it's like a grown appreciation for feelings.
0: Yeah, like, we have this ability to feel everything. Why would I wanna like mute that? Why would I wanna silence that when it's a beautiful thing? I couldn't feel joy. I couldn't feel happiness. I couldn't feel sadness. I couldn't feel anger, disappointment. I couldn't feel. Mm -hmm. So now I feel everything and I love it. Some great, some suck. But you get through it. You know, they're not they're not forever. And I was standing in my kitchen looking around and I dropped to my knees and just got like choked up because holy shit holy shit I did what I never thought possible and then I got a dog and you know he became my world he still is my world he's the cutest thing (laughs) in the entire world Um, you know and I, I built a life that I can be proud of and I stopped living my life for other people because I always had this need to have approval. People, pro- please. Oh,
1: dude. Dude, I get it.
0: People, please. I need your approval before I can make this move. I'm scared. Like, What do you think of this house? I like it, but do you like it? <laughs> dude, I'm... Hold on. Let, let's talk about this for a second. I'm 31 years old. Yeah. I just got over that feeling of needing my mom's approval. Really? Mm-hmm. I needed it. If my... Oh, my God. What would my mom say? I can't do that. My mom would freak out. Oh, no. My mom. Yeah. My mom. I live three thousand miles away.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm 31. I've over five years sober. Mm-hmm. It's not up to my mom anymore. Like yeah. I'm an adult. I can live my life for me now. But I never knew how. Mm-hmm. Like I, I didn't know. And not having to search for external validation or approval to how to live my life, it feels like like this life is mine. You know, before it was for everyone else and then for drugs. I was just floating. I was existing. And, um. yeah, now today I wake up and I don't say, fuck. I mean, I do because, <laughs> like, I'm tired. But I don't wake up mad that I'm alive. Yeah. You know, before it was I'd wake up and be just heated that I, I was. I can't believe Yeah, I, get the, I know the like, feeling. Oh, I didn't die in my sleep. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, another day of this shit. Yeah. But now I wake up and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm so tired. All right, get up. Yeah. Enjoy your life. Coffee. Mm -hmm. Like driving, music, friends. It's great. Feeling Mm -hmm. comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. Didn't come easily, though. Like, takes work. A
1: lot of work. A lot of work. So much work, dude. It's fucking hard. It's Mm. really hard. And it's a lot of work. And it takes a lot of time. And it's not going to happen overnight. Nope. No. A lot of reaching out, a lot of talking about it, a lot of feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so worth it. But it's also <laughs> like
0: not being, you know, attached to the stigma of it. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to where they feel that they can't be honest because of the stigma. I hear it almost every day that, well, what are these people going to think of me? What's going to happen? Like, like I'm so stigmatized, like it, like, and I. I love this platform because I use that. I'm like, look.
1: Oh, you do? Yeah,
0: I talk about fuck the stigma cuz it, it it shows that people aren't alone in whatever it is. Yeah. You just got to talk about it. And whenever I tell someone about fuck the stigma or that I've dealt with that too, they feel that it's not that bad. And what I always say is, look, if there's someone in your life that's going to stigmatize you or judge you for getting help to try and better yourself, fuck them. Yeah. Fuck them. You don't need that in your life when you're trying to heal and get better. What you got to do for me, what worked and what I was told, you got to find people that support you. Mm -hmm. Whether they understand it or not. My father, not an alcoholic, not an addict, no mental health issues, nothing. Like, the most normal person (laughs) you could meet in your entire life. Yeah. 100%. Hands down. Doesn't understand it. But he doesn't judge me. Mm -hmm. He doesn't push me away. He doesn't stigmatize me or think I'm less than or anything. He tries to understand. He asks questions. You know, and I... I break down the way my brain processes things and how I think about something or my perception. And he goes, wow, that's fucked up. And I'm like, I know. And <laughs> that, you know, and we just like giggle about it. But yeah. we talk about the issues, even if it's not understood by him. The willingness to want to understand and to learn means the world. For so sure. For people that, you know, are scared of their family judging them or their or their job or whatever. It's not about them. It's about you and your life and what do you want to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We all have the freedom to continue living in that stigma yeah. and keep it hidden. You can if you want. No one's telling you you can't. But it's a very miserable existence. Definitely. Right. Yes. Or you take that leap of faith. You try something different. Do the scary. The do counts. the scariest thing possible yeah. and admit that you need help. Get vulnerable. Get honest because it's hard. And see, what's the worst that happens? You might make some friends. (laughs) You might have people understand you. Yeah. You might learn something. It's the worst. That's like the worst that could happen. Yeah. Right? Every time that I've ever tried to talk myself out of getting help for that exact reason of no one's going to get it. I'm alone. No one understands. Blah, 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 blah. Every time I went against that and did that thing you know treatment talking whatever i always came out feeling better maybe not immediately but eventually because i created relationships i created friends
1: yeah it's no instant gratification anymore it's not gonna happen immediately no it's not it takes time Mm -hmm. but i really appreciate you coming on here and sharing all the shit and shooting the shit
0: yeah (laughs) yeah dude no, thank you for having me. I uh, I love this. I love this platform. I think it's amazing because it just, you know, I don't know. It's something that really needs attention. Seriously, I mean, I watch people struggle all day long. Personal friends, you know, people that reach out for help. And the more honest and open conversations that we can have about mental health and stigma for anything there's that other side of freedom, you know, where you're not, you know, there's, it doesn't have to stay trapped. And, uh, you know, I faced it my whole life being a white girl from an upper class family in Baltimore, this and that. Like I was judged by the addicts because I didn't fit in there. I was judged by my family because I was an addict. Like I never knew where I fit in, you know, and now I've fit in, I've created my own life, my own box where I want to fit in. And I'm not like trapped by anything i can hang out over here i can do this i can step back i can yeah you know and it's a beautiful thing to have that freedom and choice to do that and not feel shame not feel embarrassed
1: fucking owning it Own your shit owning it thank you so much i appreciate you greatly
0: yeah no doubt thank you for having me